Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. When it comes to vengeance and everybody getting what they deserve, if anybody don't get saved and they die in their sin, they're going to pay for their sin. Everybody's going to pay. Everything was seen. God knows everything. Nothing slipped by. Everybody that, you know, was penalized for what they didn't do, God knows. Everybody that's doing things wrong right now and getting away with murder. Nobody's getting away with murder. Nobody's getting away with murder. And so if you believe what the Bible says, that you can kind of relax. God got this. He, been, he had it for a long time. He still has it. He's always going to have it. Often, we feel the need to give other people a taste of their own medicine. When somebody does you wrong, you find yourself wanting to show them what it feels like. But that's not what we're instructed to do. Pastor Bill reminds us today that vengeance belongs to the Lord. Don't worry about people getting what they deserve because one day we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God. Many people will get what they deserve and many more will get what they don't deserve because Jesus already paid that debt. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 19 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. You ask God, forgive me, please. Forgive me. And someone else mess up with you. And as they say, I'm sorry. You you were sorry last time. How many times have you sinned against God again? Ain't the first time that you said sorry for the same thing. And God didn't do you like that. God didn't say, well, you said that last time. Because you know you did. What does he say? He forgives you again. And so God said, when someone do you wrong, you can't hold a grudge because then you become bitter and nothing good comes out of that. Bitterness. They said bitterness is like this. Bitterness is like taking poison and hoping the other person dies. I'm going to take this poison and I hope they feel it and then you die. It burnt you up. That's bitterness. It's destroying you. Some people that you bitter with and holding a grudge, they, they on about their life. They, they good. You don't want over here with ulcers and headaches and, you know, a bad relationship with God and the spirit of God can't freely move through your life because you all stuck up with bitterness. Let that go. Know that, too. Can the spirit of the living God fill a bitter grudge holding vessel? Nope. you stuck in a funky place, funky place in your walk with the Lord. God can't flow through that. That's clogged up. But you forgive someone and say, yeah, I forgive. I've been free. I've been forgiven. I'm going to forgive. I, I need to be. I need to be. I just want to be right with God. I'm not even forgiving you for you. I'm forgiving you for me. Because if I don't forgive you, I'm going to do the wrong thing. If I don't forgive you, I'm going to be in a bad place. And so God said, don't, don't be holding grudges. And again, he's speaking to his people, believers. Do not hold a grudge. Don't take vengeance. If you're writing notes, you can write down Romans 12, 19, where God tells them in the New Testament, he says, look, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Think about that. Anybody here, the person you're holding a grudge with, God said, next time they're hungry, you feed them. When they, they look thirsty, when it's hot tomorrow and you're looking at them and you got that grudge, God said, go get them something cold to drink. Give them a good drink. It's just for you. Here you go. Buy them a nice drink, right? Give them something to drink. Uh, it'll be good for you. It, it, it might help them get over how ugly you've been acting too. But don't hold grudges. Not, not what God wants. And don't take vengeance upon yourself. That's not your place. Vengeance is God's place. And so 
I want to say this because I know there's all kind of stuff going on in the world. and There's all kind of riots and people mad about this, that and the other. This, you know, I would just say this. I've talked to a lot of different people over the last week and everybody feeling real. Some people all in their feelings in a bad way. Remember this. Has anybody ever done a crime, sinned a sin that they really get in the way with? Nobody's getting away with nothing. Nobody. Everybody's going to stand before God. And so if there's injustice by criminals, if there's injustice by police folk, if there's injustice in the judicial system, wherever the injustice lies, everybody got to die and meet God. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. Nobody's getting away with nothing. I don't want to bring up old stuff, but OJ ain't getting away with that either. I mean, anybody that's done things and God saw what they did, not getting away with that. If you didn't do it, God knows you didn't do it. But if you did do it and everybody else said you didn't do it, why do you got to stand before the living God? The Bible says in Hebrews, all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Nobody getting away with nothing. So I can relax a little bit. I'm not going to be the one all up in arms about you. You're not going to get away with that. I, I, I can say that real calmly. You're not going to get away with that. Not because I'm going to get you, but because God's off. Everybody's going to pay for what they do. We need to stay focused as Christians, as believers. What's our job in a world that's all messed up like this? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be preaching the gospel because the answer is Jesus. The problem is sin. The answer is Jesus. Always has been. The problem in every area of life is sin. Sinners sinning against God, sinning against people. The problem is sin. What's the answer? Jesus. We need to be praying. We need to be sharing the gospel. That's what that's our post. So Christians can't be getting pulled off our posts. We're supposed to be praying and evangelizing. That's what we could do to impact the world. I can't be marching and rioting and kicking up dust. I'm supposed to be praying because it works. And I'm supposed to be sharing the gospel with lost people because it works. Those are the methods that God has given out to bring healing to a broken world. And again, when it comes to vengeance and everybody getting what they deserve, if anybody don't get saved and they die in their sin, they're going to pay for their sin. Everybody's going to pay. Everything was seen. God knows everything. Nothing slipped by. Everybody that, you know, was penalized what they didn't do. God knows everybody that's doing things wrong right now and getting away with murder. Nobody's getting away with murder. Nobody's getting away with murder. And so if you believe what the Bible says and you can kind of relax, God got this. He, been, he had it for a long time. He still has it. He's always going to have it. Moving on. Verses 19 through 21. A little different stubby. He's, he's wanting He's not wanting them to mix things. And I'll explain what that's all about in just a moment. Look at verse 19 it says, you shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed, nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. So here he's saying, I don't want things to be mixed up. I want it to be pure. I don't want you mixing up animals. I don't want you having different animals breed together. Um, I don't want you sowing mixed seeds in your field. I don't want you mixing linen and wool, mixing different fabrics together. One reason, as I was looking in the manners and customs, that this is part of the pagan practices, the areas they were going into, and God said, I don't want you picking up their practices. Uh, another thing here is that God said, I just want there to be purity. Um, it's a fact that if you are sowing your fields with this sort of seed, tomatoes or, or wheat or whatever, if that's going to be a strong crop, you don't want it to be mixed with something else. You want to have a whole other field where you do something else. That's still the case today. Um, guys, don't mix them up. And so maybe God was giving them some agricultural uh, heads up. 
God didn't want the linen and the wool, the different fabrics mixed together. Uh, again, these things all speak of holiness. God wants separation. These are rules that we have to abide by today, but that's what God wanted for them then. They needed to obey. Verse 20, whoever lies carnally with a woman who is betrothed to a man as a... Let me explain, then I'll read it because it's, it's, it sounds kind of... All right, so let's say there's a man and he has a concubine, uh, a servant girl in, that belongs to him. But the servant girl is engaged to another guy, engaged to be married. But betrothed means to be engaged. They're supposed to be getting married, but she lives in his house um, as a concubine. So she's his possession, basically. That was taking place in this era. And so God was given instruction. So she's engaged to this guy over here. But if the, the guy that lives there, that technically that owns her, if these two end up sleeping together sexually while she's engaged to the fellow over here, that's what we're reading right here. I just wanted to. Clarify, because I read it and I read it and I read it and it was like, it took me five times to read it and figure out, okay, what is going on right here? So that's what's going on. So again, verse 20, whoever lies carnally with a woman who is betrothed to a man as a concubine and who has not at all been redeemed nor given her freedom. So he hasn't freed her. Uh, she hasn't been purchased or redeemed from his possession, which is what the guy that was going to marry was supposed to do, redeem her to himself. Um, for this, there shall be a scourging, but they shall not be put to death because she was not free. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, a ram as a trespass offering. The priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering before the Lord for his sin, which he has committed and the sin for which he has committed shall be forgiven him. So normal under normal circumstances, that sort of act would be condemned by death. They both be killed for for fornicating or having sex in that way. But in this case, God said, well, the guy that was going to marry her, have redeemed her. So she's not his. She actually belongs to this guy. And what he did was a sin. Now, he's going to be obligated to marry her himself, and he's going to have to notice that it's him that has to offer the sacrifice. It's him that's in trouble. She hasn't really done anything wrong. She may have been in fear of, of whatever may have come upon, whatever repercussions. So the penalty is not for her. It's for the guy. Why these rules? I mean, you read a lot of the rules that are given. They're given understanding the, the circumstances that people were living in at that time. Um, doesn't necessarily condone it or say that this is the way God wanted it to be, but it was the way it was. And so God was making sure that these women had some rights. Understand that outside of the word of God, these women had no rights in that culture. They were just treated like property. Um, what God did through his law and through his word was he gave them rights. He gave them some dignity. He gave them, he made it wrong for certain things to be done uh, to them. So that's what's going on there. Verse 23. Um, this is the whole part. When you come into the land, it's just a reminder, this is where you guys are headed. This is what God is going to do. Um, the things that we're going to look at next are, well, when we come to verse 26, we're looking at some of the, some of the prohibitions, some of the things that God wanted to make sure they didn't pick up on. But the whole idea, God said, remember where you're going. I'm taking y'all into the land. I'm taking you into the land of Canaan. He says, when you come into the land and have planted all kinds of trees for food, then you shall count their fruit as uncircumcised. Three years it shall be as uncircumcised to you, it shall not be eaten. So God says, when y'all get to the land and you plant some of your own trees, the trees that the people left behind for three years, don't touch them. They're considered uncircumcised. You don't eat from them. Eat from the trees that I'm giving you guys. After three years, 
Verse 24, but in the fourth year, all its fruit shall be holy, set apart by God. A praise to the Lord. And in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit, that it may yield to you its increase. I am the Lord your God. So in the fourth year, you know, it's, it's set apart. Now it's, it's um, in the fourth year, it's, it's holy to the Lord. In the fifth year, you can eat its fruit and enjoy its increase. I am the Lord. Now, how come? God said, when you get to the land, there, there's already some stuff there. God said, I know it's there. And you will enjoy it eventually, but not right away. Don't leave it be. And you're going to plant your own trees. And I'm going to take care of making sure that the, the land produces and you guys are taken care of. You're not going to starve. And the fourth year to be set apart as holy. And the fifth year you can eat it. Some of them say, well, why? Is, why? How come? Um, what would the temptation be when you get there and there's fruit on the trees already? Eat it now. Ain't that the temptation for us always? God said, I'm going to give you. I got good things I'm going to give you. But sometimes God says you got to wait. The good things I got, they're coming. Oh, it's going to be great when, it get, when we get there. But you got to wait. And we don't oftentimes want to wait. I want it now. God said, well, don't do that. I want you to leave those alone. I want you to enjoy this over here. Eventually, you'll be able to enjoy that too. But that was his rule for them. It could be one of the things I read suggested that should they come into the land where the pagans had existed and lived and start to eat off of their trees, eat their fruit. In a sense, they did this. They had provided these things. And so God was always making sure they understood that, that their provision came from him. God said, you plant some new stuff and, and I'll make that flourish. I'll make sure you guys have what you need. Leave those alone. But you, you'll have those eventually, but I want you to plant some other things over here. And God was establishing as they got there that they wouldn't go in and right away fall into that. God was seemed like always was wanting separation. I want you guys to be separate to me. I don't want you guys getting wrapped up in them, what they had, what they did. Verse 26, you shall not eat anything with blood, nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying. Now, the next group of things that we're going to read all deal with their pagan practices. Um, it was part of their pagan practices. And I spent time reading through manners and customs books trying to understand what these prohibitions were about. And they all were connected to aspects of pagan worship that the Canaanites and the other people had participated in. You shall not eat anything with the blood, nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying. As today, with a lot of, you know, pagan practices, always blood, chicken blood, goat blood, people drinking blood, doing weird things with blood. Why? Because God already told him earlier, life is in the blood. Don't play around with that. And so he says here, don't eat anything with the blood in it. And he said, nor in the same breath, nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying. Divination, soothsaying, both practices, both demonic, where people that are in touch with the demonic realm, divine. They're, they're speaking up. They're, they're, rather, they're in connection with the demonic realm and they're drawing up information and speaking on behalf of what they're hearing. It's, 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 it could be intriguing. It is supernatural. God said, don't mess around with that. Don't be fooling around with that. Don't be on the, 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 the hotline. Uh, I know when I was young, you your hotline, you, you want to find out if your boyfriend's cheating on you, you call this hotline. And all the little silly girls would be calling. And it's, it's saying divination. God said, don't do that. Only one person knows the future. Who is that? God. Satan knows the past. Satan knows the present. But then he's a liar. And what I know that Satan will do for those that will engage in these sort of practices, he'll blow you away with the past. Because the same demons that was around your grandma, they're around today. They, they're, they're, they're spirit beings. They've been around a long time. They've been around since the Garden of Eden. So they can say, oh, your grandmother was like this. <gasps> she know my grandmother, oh my goodness. And blow you away. And get you open. 
And then they tell you a whole bunch of lies about your future, how you ruin your life. Don't mess with those things. God says, don't, don't, don't be involved in them kind of practices. If you want to be involved, you want to know about the future, seek God. Get a word of prophecy. Read your Bible. Study, study end times. You know, there, there's, if, if, if I want to know some stuff that's coming up, I want to hear it from the ones that I know tell the truth about what's to come. And so God says, do not practice divination or soothsaying, uh, which were practiced in that culture. We just, as Christians, sometimes people just let their guard down. They, they, they get involved in these things. I, I, I was looking at my horoscope. Your horror what? Not for you, Christian. You ain't got no horoscope. You better get you a word for the day and read your Bible. We don't do a horoscope. What's your sign? Christian, no sign. You know, I'm going to tell, oh, you know, because we, you know, we all, we, but all, all of us have that sign. It's like, no, no, I ain't nothing like you. I'm, I ain't got nothing to do with my sign. Which kind of sign you think I am? Wrong. You know, we live in a culture. Those things are normal. You've been doing it since you were a kid. That's all waxed up. Don't mess with it. God has called us out of all of that. That's not how he's going to speak to you. That's not how he's going to tell you about your day. Don't mess around with it. Verse 27 says, you shall not shave around the sides of your head nor shall you disfigure the edges of your beard. Now, that's strange. Um, any guys here get an edge up? Get, get a nice little edge up when you get a haircut? Get you a fade and the edge up? Shape up your goatee? Get your mustache? God said, don't do that. Obviously, he's speaking to them. Now, it's not for us. Everybody, you, you ain't got to get all nappy and let it go, go, let your hair go. This was something that they were doing in part of their worship, pagan worship. So the reason God said for them, for Israelites not to do it is because I don't want y'all looking like them. They're, they're, they're doing this as part of pagan worship practice. They would edge up the sides of their hair and edge up their beards. They were edging in. They, they, it was, um, they, they had a whole mindset behind why they were doing it. God says, you guys don't do that. Keep reading. Uh, look at verse 28. Nor shall you make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead in the same breath, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Something else that they would do is cut their body for the dead. It's part of the worship of the dead. It's part of interacting with dead people. They were cutting their body, letting their blood drip down to interact with the dead. God said, don't do that. Don't do that. You guys remember when the prophets of Baal were trying to get their sacrifice consumed and their God wasn't listening. And, you know, the prophet was joking. He said, maybe your God's on the toilet. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's not. And they start cutting themselves and screaming and yelling, trying to get their God to listen. But their God was no God. And he never listened. But that was part of pagan practice at that time. Now, I got to talk about tattoos because we live in a culture right now. Tattoos are very popular. A lot of people have opinions about tattoos. This is the verse that everybody goes to to say, you can't get a tattoo. Don't get a tattoo because it says in Leviticus, don't tattoo your body. So I'm breaking down for you guys. We just read it in context. So if I tell people, right, if I can't get a tattoo based on what Leviticus 19 says, then I also can't edge up my beard or shape up my head based on what it, you guys read the context here. You, y'all, we all know that everything that he just listed here is what they were doing at this time as part of the worship of the dead, part of pagan practice and worship. So we're not under these things. We're not. I, I would not tell somebody on the basis of this verse that you cannot go and get a tattoo. Um, so having said that, right. Is the Bible say anything about it? Is there anything in the word to speak on it? I'll give you what I have found in the word, right? The, the entire time I did high school ministry, this is one of those things that would come up. Because kids were like, I want to get a tattoo. And the mom was like, no, no tattoos. Anti-tattoo. So 
I had parents bring kids and me tell them, tell them the Bible says they can't do it. I'm, I can't do that. I can't do that. But I can't tell them this. I can tell your son that God told him to obey you. And so right now, while he's under your roof, he better not get one. It, it'd be a sin for him to get one because his mama said no for right now. This is what it comes down to, right? Is your body the temple of God? Yes. Is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Yes, it is. The Holy Spirit lives in you? Absolutely. Um, so you should be careful what you put on it. Um, that should you should think about what you wear. You should think about what you do with your 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 your, your body it belongs to the Lord. If you stick a hole in it, it's permanent. Anything you do to your body, we do things to our bodies all the time that are permanent things. Women typically get earrings. That's a permanent hole. Did God give you permission to do that? Did you <laughs> did you need special rights? I mean, you like the way it looks. It's not pagan practice, even though in some parts of the world it is part of pagan practice. But we don't do it as pagan practice. You can get your earrings. It's okay. So but tattoos. It, it does come down to this. As a believer, I would ask somebody, why do you want to get a tattoo? What do you want to get a tattoo of? Will it glorify God? Will it, you know, is it going to draw attention? I mean, there's some people who get tattoos. Women, they, I don't want to say what they call them, but they were all, it was, it was a fad. Everybody was getting a tattoo right here to draw attention down there. God called you to do that. God, God wanted everybody looking at you, but thank you saying, as you walk down, I don't think that's the Lord wants, you know, but that was something that people were doing. As a Christian, the Bible says you got to give an account to God for what you choose to do. I would say this. Um, there isn't anything in Scripture that would say someone can't get a tattoo. So I, as a Christian, as a pastor, as someone that's speaking on God's behalf on, to people, I don't feel at liberty to say you can't do something God didn't say you couldn't do. Our junior high pastor, Gabe, he came to me before he got his little tattoo here. And he's like, hey, I want to know because I'm serving. I want to be, you know, I want to submit. And I want to make sure that it's not going to be a problem. Um, you know, this is what I'm thinking about getting. Is this verse right here. Da, da, da. I'm like, that's between you and the Lord. You, you know, you pray about it. You feel like you have peace from God about it. Have it. it. It's not a sin. It's not a crime against God. Interesting, in the book of Revelation, right, in two places. You guys know when you get to heaven, God's going to write on your forehead a new name. And when you look it up, when it says he writes on your forehead, it's permanent. You have a tattoo eventually. So I used to tell the high school kids, if your mama never lets you get one, when you get to heaven, you'll have one. God's going to write on you. Um, when it says that Jesus had on his robe, he had on the robe and on his right on his thigh, he had the name King of Kings, Lord of Lords. It is, it's written, it's permanent, it's tattooed. Um, some people get really mad at that. You think Jesus had a tattoo? It, read it. Look it up in the Greek. As a matter of fact, he did. You know, it says it right there. So if, if God had a big problem with it, he would have said so. So I would just tell people, you know, if you're going to get one, think about the long-term effects. Uh, I got a tattoo when I was in eighth grade going to ninth grade because I wanted to have it before football camp started. And my nickname back then um, was whatever my nickname back then was. So I went and got my little tattoo. And I thought I was, I was hard. I, was, I only wore tank tops to school. I only wanted my... But I'm kind of, you know, it's been a long time since I was 13, 14. That's no longer my nickname. Um, you know, I'm going to just tell you this. When I got it, I was, I was in great shape, you know. My, my nickname was Little Buff. Little Buff. I was Little Buff back then. Well, now I'm not Little and I'm not, not Buff either. But my tattoo says I am. So there's a, there's a permanent aspect of it that you have to consider. And, you know, that's just practical wisdom. It's not spiritual. Um, you know, if you end up with something that's all stretched out when you get old, you're just going to look silly. You still go to heaven and get a new body. Um, so I just think we got to be careful as sometimes in the church, you might not like them. You might feel like, well, I hate tattoos. My wife don't like tattoos. I like tattoos and I would actually have some more tattoos, but I married my wife and she says, I don't like them. 
So I ain't getting them because I need her to like what I look like. If I don't want to, if my wife said that just looks nasty to me, then I'm not gonna go get nasty. I need I need her to like me. So you know, so there'll be no more tattoos on me via that. You know, not because God said I can't. We got to be careful that we don't make our opinions, our views, God's will. That's all we have time for today on the Transforming Word. But we're so glad you joined us for today's teaching on Pastor Bill. As we continue learning from the book of Leviticus together, our prayer is that you begin to understand where you come from. Knowing your roots is so important to understanding your faith and the heart of God. You may think all the rules within the Bible are outdated or just plain don't make sense, but they were there for a reason. They weren't there to punish, but rather to guide. And who doesn't need a little guidance from time to time? We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Leviticus and encourage you to read on on your own. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. If you live in or near the Inglewood area, we'd love to meet you and invite you to join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person, and you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on A Transforming Word.